This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. America and welcome to the program. Well, the cabinet is being selected and we are looking at a a new and changing America. What does that mean for us? And how do we make sure that we hold on to our principles? Steve Dace joins us right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are one. Steve Dace is a uh, talk radio show host. Um, heard nationwide out of uh, Iowa, and a, a friend of the program, author of the new book, Nefarious Plot, which is very C.S. Lewis. I mean, it is a great, great book that everybody should read um, that is, is modeled after the screw tape letters. And if you like the screw tape letters, this is a modern version of it. And I think, I mean, I hate to say this because it is C.S. Lewis, but I think just, you know, in the same category as, wow. as good. It was really good, Steve. Well, that's about the highest praise you can give a Theo nerd like me. So I'd like to just walk off now, if that's okay. Yeah. All right, this like on a Costanza high note. That's, <laughs> that's okay. right, that's right. Welcome to the studios. Glad you're Thank here. You. Um, you, um, uh, you called together a little get-together of some of the people who were never Trump and reluctantly Trump um, and, and wanted to have a conversation with people of where we go from here. What are you trying to accomplish? Just that. I think that we have got to have a time period where um, there can be some family healing going on after what's transpired over the last year. And I think I told you yesterday that I, I didn't really truly understand how difficult the last six and seven months has been because it's not new necessarily for me. I'm kind of one of those grassroots rabble rousers anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so being on the, on the outside looking in of some of my own friends is almost like a state of being for me. But this took it to a whole new level. And I really wasn't aware until it was over just what the weight of what the last few months was like, feeling like every day I was arguing with members of my own audience, um, you know, people who put food on our table, who mm-hmm. we support, that support us, that make it possible for us to do things like this. Mm-hmm. Arguing with, with our own peers and our own friends how many tweets I composed that I had to delete to my own friends because I just couldn't handle some of the things I was seeing and then wondering how often they were doing the exact same thing to me, right? Mm-hmm. And when I got up the next morning, I was like, holy cow. It was like Katrina and the waves. That one I'm walking on sunshine song came on. It was like, this weight is gone. And, and I think there needs to be though some time to assess where we're at because I think strategically we are in a place that we've never been in before as a movement. And that is, 
taking for granted that a conservative movement even still exists, which I have my doubts about that. I, I think we need to also discuss what does conservatism even mean? I was on C-SPAN for an hour the week before the election, and I got that question. And I defined it as I'm a conservative because I'm trying to conserve the things that history has proven are what's best for the human condition. And black man from Detroit calls up and says, I'm a black man from Detroit and says, I've never voted Republican in my entire life. But if someone had explained it to me the way you just did, I might have I might have looked at this differently. I think our I think our damage or our brand has been damaged quite a bit in this race. And I think that it's not a victory as much as a reprieve. I think everybody, to some extent, is ecstatic. The Marxists are out of the White House. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean Donald Trump had a character transplant because the communists are gone. And I think you're watching his capricious, mercurial, unstable nature play itself out just in the court of owls that we're seeing get assembled here in the in, in almost this sort of Kremlin-esque intrigue about transition teams and who's in and who's out. I mean, we've this never happens even to all before. of them. Why is this as a negative? This happens. This happens all the time. The transition team. This this seems normal to me. It, we're on we're on like our third transition team. <laughs> this thing's been on it for a week. You know, and and there's mixed signals everywhere, and and I I just think that one that's, thing that's how the Trump camp rolls, though. Well, yes, it, this happened the whole campaign because that's right? how he rolls. No, that's how he rolls. No campaign can rise above its own candidate. Right, the candidate is always the one responsible for the outcome of a campaign. We should I mean, say that you were a friend of you were a friend and supporter of Donald Trump's for a long time. For, at first, at first, a long time, maybe a relative term. Okay. Uh, what really changed my mind it, for good. You endorsed Ted, though, right? Yes, the, I did. In fact, about the Iowa. In fact, there was I remember I called Ted up in um, in early July and I told him, I said, you know, I'm thinking about I'm leaning going this way. I'm really thinking about it. You know, I think we do need to burn it down. I think we need something dramatically different. And about a week later, um, there was an event in Iowa where they had 13 of the candidates show up. It was a leadership summit, and I was the co-MC with Frank Luntz. And I'm sitting there backstage. I'm actually getting ready to meet with uh, Donald Trump again. He's going to come off backstage or to grab a private room, presumably to try to close me as a supporter. And I'm sitting there 20 feet from him when, when he talks about, I've never asked God for forgiveness because I've never done anything wrong. Right. Which was, to me, that was the big thing that stood out to me, even more than the McCain comments, as offensive as those were. But that was the thing like, wow, you just walked into a room of 3,000 evangelicals and dropped that bomb. You may not, you know, you don't understand what you're walking into. And then, and then he talked about, well, I like soldiers who weren't captured. And I knew, or I suspected when they walked off of there that, that him and his people were going to ask me, how do you clean up this mess? I didn't know what the answer was. So this is not a great, this was not a real men of courage moment, guys. I hit the eject. I just walked out. I, I, cause I, I was like, I wouldn't know how to fix this. It's done. Don't fix it. Go home, go back to Trump tower. This is not fixable. Salvage your brand. So, but it didn't hurt him. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't hurt. You him. know why it didn't hurt him is Sam Dunberg, who is still a friend of mine, who was the guy that helped set up Trump's original campaign. Mm-hmm. Sam called me the next day. He had sent me a column that he had ghostwritten for Trump for USA Today in response to this. And it was, and he essentially had doubled down on it. And Sam, and, and, and the column was, hey, look at all the money I've given to veterans groups. Look at everything I've done. Who are you people to question me? And Sam said to me, he said, hey, Steve, do you like this column? And I said, I, I think it's forceful. I like it. He goes, well, I go, why? And he said, 
because I took everything that you put in your book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, the previous book I wrote, and I used that to construct this piece. And I am convinced that that is what turned everything around. The first time the media came at him. See, this election wasn't a repudiation of Hillary Clinton. I don't even think it was a repudiation of Barack Obama. I think it was a backlash repudiation of the media. And Trump ran against the media the entire time, ran against them in the primary. Fox tried to kill him in the first debate. They couldn't. And so they ended up shilling for him after that. I think he beat the media. And I think most people as conservatives, guys, define their conservatism not by an objective values or set of values, but by opposition to the liberal media. Explain that. Meaning that I think we're so we don't we first of all, we don't have an objective value system. Ask the average conservative, why are you a conservative? And you're probably not going to get a cogent answer. I mean, I, I, was, I was listening to the roundtable you had, before I, had a, before I came on, and you talked about the Declaration of Independence. When I go around the country, if I teach in churches or I speak in churches or I preach in the church where I go to back home, if I ask believers, what is the foundation of the Christian faith? Almost every time they're going to tell me it's the Bible. No, it's not. Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith. Paul says, if Christ isn't raised, you're, then your preaching is in vain. You're all still dead in your sins. Christianity is about God supernaturally wove his hand into history to roll a stone away and bring a dead man back to life. Did that fact happen or not? If it did, then the Bible is the clarification of how we are, the de- how, how we are to then live in light of that fact. If it didn't happen, then we don't, we, we're free agents to free go and make this up as we go along. The, the, the Christianity's foundation is Christ. The clarification is the Bible. That is the relationship, I believe, between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence is the foundation of America. There is a God. Our rights come from him. Government's only responsibility is to protect and preserve those rights so we can reach our God-given potential. And that's it. That's it. That's all there is. There isn't any more. That's it. And then the the inevitable, inevitable questions that come along when we have conflicts. How do we resolve those things? The Constitution clarifies those conflicts. But the Declaration is the foundation. How often is that foundation ever uttered, ever, by any conservative? I just just gave this speech Sunday. I wish you would have been there because it was that. There's six points in the Declaration, and the Declaration of Independence has those six points, and that's all you need to know. That is the spirit Mm -hmm. of America. The Constitution is the framework on how to protect that idea, Um, and, and we miss that. And progressives have tried to destroy the Declaration, and we don't have a Declaration the, the, the conservatives are supposed to be saying, what is a conservative? Well, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. Right. That all men are created. They're endowed by their creator with certain rights that are unchangeable. Those rights come from God. The government is established to be able to protect those rights. That is their main duty, protect those rights. Mm-hmm. That, the, that the laws are all based in natural law and uh, the laws of nature and nature's God. So the laws out of the Bible, the big 10 commandments Mm -hmm. and what you witness in nature, you can protect yourself because a bear can protect itself. So why can't I? Um, Nature's laws, nature's God. And the last one is if a government becomes hostile to that, you have the right to abolish it right. and reestablish a new government that will protect those rights. I mean, that's I, it. That's the whole idea of America in a nutshell. I know it sounds like we're having a Cleon Skousen class in here, but that, that's, that's what it is. 
That's what we're supposed to be conserving. I don't know. I, I don't know what most of conservatism is. And, and it's easy for me to say I, I don't have, you know, one of the 10 biggest shows in the country. I haven't written five New York Times bestsellers. But it seems to me like most of conservatism is selling out conferences and selling widgets. Yes. And it's not an advancement of a set of principles, let alone policy. Does anybody know what the Sam Hill conservative policy actually would be? Forget even defining our principles. Let's say we define those. How would we go about governing accordingly? Does any, has anybody even seen in their lifetime, except for maybe the first half of Ronald Reagan's first term before the rigor mortis of Washington set in, has anybody ever actually seen what governing along those lines would look like beyond just no. framing the principles? No. No. And you ask a conservative, what does it mean to be a conservative? Well, I believe in God, and I believe in traditional marriage, and I believe that people should work hard and we should have less, you know, welfare, whatever they want to say. They make it about the policies. What does it mean to be a conservative? Mm -hmm. There are certain ideas that are universal and everybody knows that we were created. We were created by a God. That God gave us rights. We've established government to protect those rights. And the minute those rights the government starts to abuse those rights, we have a right to abolish it. That is the conservative idea. And if we can all start to say those things, because, uh, you know, I was looking, if you look at the Bill of Rights, everybody's looking for a place where we can come together now. Well, what are we going to do on global warming? What are we going to do about Planned Parenthood? What are we going to do about... We're so far beyond that. We are so... We have no cornerstone anymore. We have no baseline anymore. So we're just winging it on all of those. There's nothing to be able to say, well, our polar star says that we have to do X, Y, and Z. What is the plumb line of American culture? What is that? There is none. There is none. There is none. And it is the idea of the Declaration of Independence and the framework of the Constitution And I know I could go to any college campus. I could go to Berkeley Mm -hmm. and say, do you believe in freedom of press that press shouldn't be restrained? Now, this is changing. But right now, we still have, yeah, press, uh, uh, there's a freedom of press. Yes, there is a freedom to assemble peacefully. Yes, there's a freedom to question the government. Yes, there's freedom of religion. That one is beginning to change, too, it is. because we have abused both the press and religion. Right. There is an, there's a fascinating article at 538 today, which is Nate Silver's yep. site. And it talks about how Americans may be too religious to accept socialism. And if I wasn't down here hanging out with you all, with you all today, here's what I would do on my show if I was on the air on my show tonight. I would go on the air and ask my audience, why is this true? Why is America, how come if a people are religious, they will reject socialism? And I will guarantee you most of my audience, unless I explain it to them, won't know. know. And it's because obviously if the state's going to be God, there can't already be a God. Yes. That's why socialism either precedes or or proceeds secularism every single time. I don't believe we are too religious for socialism. I don't think we are either. But I think, but here's what's fascinating. My point is. How, how often we had to see because Fox, Infowars, and Drudge wouldn't do it. And so we saw the mainstream media vetting Trump during the primary according to his, his lack of conservative orthodoxy. The liberals were doing it. 
Now 538, a liberal analytical site, is now explaining to us essentially conservative apologetics. Why we won't accept socialism because we're still too religious. They're making our arguments for us better than we currently make them. By the way, that's not good, guys. No, because they're making those arguments so they can understand yes. it and dismantle yeah, it. They're, dis- they're deconstructing us better than we are constructing ourselves. And, and the fact is, I, I think that most people have been convinced by the left now that socialism and Christianity are, are one and the same. Yes. I mean, Jesus way too many people yeah. believe that Jesus yes. was a socialist. Yes. I, I just read another article yeah. about that. Yeah, easy. And the rest of the people think that socialism, and I'm not making this up, think socialism has something to do with social media. Yes. Socialism just means the promotion of Facebook and Twitter. Okay, there was a poll a few years ago that found something like six out of ten people that had, been, had held elected office felt the Electoral College was a place that you went to get trained on how to get elected. So there you go. Now this... <laughs> Uh, If you are going home for the holidays, will you be able to see if your home is safe? This is the time when people break into people's houses, beginning really this weekend, uh, all the way through the holidays. They, uh, they, They are on hard times, or they just know you've got extra stuff, and uh, they're going to take it. Simply Safe Home Security now has Simply Safe Security Cameras. These are brand new, state-of-the-art cameras that are all Bluetooth. They connect to the sensors in your Simply Safe alarm system. If your system detects something, the camera automatically turns on and records it. So somebody comes home, you get a recording. Somebody breaks a window, you get a recording. You can see everything that is happening at your home at any time. And if somebody is trying to break in, when the police are called by the Simply Safe system, the police can then download the video and you have the evidence. Check out Simply Safe and their brand new cameras today at simplysafe.com. Go to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine, and they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep, casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress, casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply.
Steve Dace is with us, the uh, uh, talk show host and also author of the new book, uh, Nefarious Plot, which I can't recommend highly enough. Just a great book. Steve, so where do we go from here? What, what happens now? Because people are hurting and they are looking for somebody and they are dismissing people like, I mean, even those in the conservative movement are dismissing people like Steve Bannon. The media is now saying Steve Bannon is a bad guy. They're absolutely right on this. But the media has such a bad relationship with the American people. By them saying he's a bad guy only makes, only makes people say, well, he must be a good guy. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing their best to inoculate Steve Bannon from criticism at this point. Um, and I said this, PBS called me the day after the election, asked me to come on a roundtable and discuss from a conservative viewpoint how they missed the Trump phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I, I pointed out to them that, you know, you guys are disconnected from America. And I asked them, how many people in your newsroom right now at PBS, how many are pro-life? How many of them go to mass once a week? How many of them go to church? How many of them even considered voting for Donald Trump? Like a single person. You guys define diversity by external identity. Most of America doesn't. Most of America defines their identity by their value system or what they think they need or want at the time. And so you are literally not talking to most of this country. And that's why you miss that. And, and you, I think, I, think I, I told them, I think, you got, I think people got the rise of Fox News wrong. That it wasn't that it was GOP TV. That's kind of what it is now. But that they, they, they talked about our values without suspicion. Yes. You guys do. Yes. Back in just a second. The Fed is hinting that there might be a rate increase when they meet in December. Uh, Stock market looked like it was going to tank when Trump was winning Tuesday night. Uh, But after his speech, it rebounded in a huge way. Bigger than China. Uh, And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up in a second. Uh, Steve Dace is with us. Steve, what, what... Tell me... Is there the possibility, because I think we should consider this, that we have been completely wrong. Is there the possibility that Donald Trump becomes Ronald Reagan? I think we should absolutely consider the possibility we've been completely wrong. Now, I, I, will, be, I will be surprised if we are wrong. And I think what we're seeing in the transition team indicates we're not. That this is material Why? and because it's inconsistent. I mean, there, there is no consistent strain in who is surrounding him other than did you help me get to where I'm at 
And if you're progressive Rudy Giuliani over here, and if you're evangelical pastor's kid Mike Pence over here, you help me get to where I'm at. So find a way to kind of work together. I mean, Reince Priebus, when he opens his mouth, the Republican machine we all hate comes out in every last syllable. So you're going to go on camera and eat the crap sandwich on TV, and Bannon's going to be my Rasputin in the dark room over here calling the Svengali shots. I mean, these two guys have literally nothing in common other than they both help Donald Trump get to where he's at. Do you believe that Bannon... Talk radio is saying Bannon is okay. I, you know, I've met the, I think I met him once briefly, been interviewed by him twice on Breitbart Radio. All I know is what I've heard from other people. And all I've seen is what I've watched and witnessed Breitbart News become since it essentially became symbiotic with Trump. And, and I don't think, and I'm someone who used to be a regular reader, I don't think I've shared a link or clicked on a link at Breitbart in like nine months. I, I just got so disgusted by what I saw that it just, it literally became dead to me. Same with Drudge. I can't remember the last time I visited Drudge as a website. I just, I can't handle it. Um, so I just, to me, I just look for news and other sources. Yeah, hey, so we are. So um, you just don't think that there's a chance. He can I think there's a chance. I, I, listen, I, my worldview starts with God raises dead people to life. Right. Okay. So I, then I, so to quote the great prophets at Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> I'm saying there's a chance. Okay. <laughs> there is a chance, but I, this is why I think we should step back and let it play itself out. Now, I think the early returns are mixed at best. And the pressures, the real pressure... What do you disagree with on his appointments? Um, I, I, first of all, I wouldn't have Rudy Giuliani anywhere near my administration. Why is that? Uh, because he's, he's the ultimate progressive Republican. That's why. I mean... Well, I, no, I think Chris Christie is, but he's a close second. He's a close second. I, I think, I think the, the dynamic between, between Reince and, and Bannon is terrible. Uh, it strikes me as trying to split the baby in half. And this is often, as someone that's worked on a lot of campaigns... This is why businessmen are often the worst candidates, because they think it is like running a company, and it is not. You know, a CEO can't coin money. A CEO can't command an army. A CEO can't compel you to do something lawfully or unlawfully against your will. A president can. And I think that is where it's, it's, not, and it's not the same. It's just because Steve Kerr is a great coach of the Golden State Warriors doesn't mean he can coach the Dallas Cowboys, guys. There's some skills that transcend, but they're totally different pursuits, different personalities, different activities. Uh, you know, and not, to, and not to mention, Trump hasn't always been successful as a manager. He's filed multiple bankruptcies. He's had several failures. It's not the same at all. And so when I see the previous Bannon thing, this is what it looks like to me. It looks like, hey, Reince, your, your reward is you get to go out there and be the guy on camera, and you're going to speak to McConnell and, and, and Ryan down there on Capitol Hill, and I'll be Nicholas II over here in a corner dark room while Rasputin is whispering sweet nothings in my ear, and we'll essentially have our own little management team over here deciding which of your ideas we'll veto and which we won't. Who's actually in charge? The last thing someone with Donald Trump's temperament needs is to have the people facilitating him in an uncertain chain of command. I mean, when you, when, when you are as mercurial and capricious as he is, then the people around you have to be ironclad certain. You know, it's a little bit like in football. If the head coach is not Mr. Game Manager, then the assistant coaches need to be real X's and O's people. And if the head coach is an X's and O's guy, but not Mr. Light You Up in the Room when he's recruiting athletes, that means the assistant coaches have got to be in there and woo mama and, the, and, the young, and, and their baby boy on the recruiting trip. Trump is not Mr. X's and O's guy. He's not. Well, so someone else has got to do that. Well, who is that right now? I mean, you kind of have these two towers of Mordor here between with Reince and, uh, and, and uh, is Reince is Isengard and Bannon is Mordor. They have literally nothing in common other than they have a common you know, uh, sentiment with Donald Trump that you can't run a government that way.
Government is not like a business. It's well, not. But he's, he's going to try to run it. I mean, one of the most amazing things I saw yesterday, um, and I said this wouldn't happen, this couldn't happen, and it's happening. For him to ask for top secret clearance of his children. They are denying that, by the way, I believe, um, for what it's worth. Well, that's good. Yeah. Do you believe it? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, it I sounds. Know. I don't initial know the source last. was an unnamed source, and I, there's some way, there's some reason to doubt it. I, I think. Say. I think. I think with stories like this, guys, we're going to have to. I think we're not dealing with a level of, shall we say, prudent communication we've ever seen from people in power before. I think we're going to really have to sit back and wait until the final deed is done. Because if we react to everything these people say, we're all going to have coronaries. We're going to be like, this is the big one, Alice, by the time we get to 2017. <laughs> So I think we need to just sit back. I think we have to like wait for them to actually sign the waiver before we react to the story like this. Because I think they will seriously just throw crap out there all the time, see if they can get away with it, see what the, what the, what the backlash is, and then say we never really meant it. It's been my experience. Again, I've had a lot of experience in politics. I've never seen anybody govern differently than they campaigned. Ever. Ever. It is who they are. That's what my problem was with, with Donald Trump. He would say, I'm not this guy, but your whole life shows that you are. Right. You don't generally change. Not unless something transcendent yeah, Unless there is a pivot point. Yes. Something big happens in your life, yes. and then you're like, I'm not that guy anymore. Is there any chance, you know, becoming president of the United States is that moment? <laughs> I mean, it's it is a possibility. Possible, right? I it think is. It's sure, there's a possibility. No, I, I have to tell you, I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about that when, when, you know, the next morning Donald Trump woke up and... I thought about it that next morning. What must that be like to wake up? And it's one thing to have your wife roll over and say, well, good morning, Mr. President-elect. It's another to then have the Secret Service, the apparatus, the everything start to change around you. The weight. I mean, Truman said he felt like the, the earth. I'm sorry, that the moon, the sun and the stars fell on his shoulders when he found out he was president. Mm. There is a chance that that changes you a big, a big chance. I think there's also a difference, gentlemen, between winning the presidency and being the president. When, when your life is defined by Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as Trump's entire yes. existence has been. Yes. He has received now the ultimate self-actualization. Yes. Right. But here's the question. Next May, when the headlines are done and the, and the parades are over and the Organization of American States wants a nine-hour meeting with their emissaries in the White House, does he really want to do that? Not a chance. Does he want, or, or does he want to be down? Does he want to be teeing it high and watching it fly at the Mar-a-Lago with, you know, some Hollywood starlet? What would he rather be doing? I think that's, you know, I had, I had somebody offer me a job in New York City a few years ago, and I tried really hard for it. I really wanted it. It was dry time in New York. I thought it'd be the greatest thing for my career. And then when I got back home and waited for them to make the decision, I recognized that what the commute would be like, the changes would be like, moving my family to New York City, how different the values were. And I realized, you know what? I think I wanted to win this job more than I wanted to do the job. I wanted someone to come to me as a guy and give me that helmet sticker and say, yeah, you got this accomplishment. But did I really want to do this when all the trades wrote about it and all the accomplishment stuff was done? Did I want to do that job? And I wonder if Donald Trump has truly considered, does he actually want to be the president? Does he want to do it? And that's why the people around him, who I think will really run the show, that's why it is so important. That's why I have a guy who works here now, um, John Schreiber, who is 
brilliant. He runs my company, and he said um, he's been asking people uh, as we restructure everything, what do you want to do every day? And people will say, oh, you know, like me. He asked me, well, I you know, want to do the radio show, want to you know, be able to talk and make a difference and everything else. He's like, no, 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 no. What do you actually want to do every day? Mm-hmm. That's very different. And people don't ask themselves that question. They, they think of the accomplishment, I want to go and do this, I want to be here, I want that job. But they don't necessarily match it with what they actually physically think, oh, I'd love to just do this every day. Mm-hmm. And they're very different things. And I think Donald Trump okay. in May may find that. He may not. He may love this, but he, he doesn't strike me as the guy that does like to be sitting in the office at the late night meetings, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that's why people like Bannon are so critical to make sure good guy, bad guy. Because if indeed Donald Trump is the guy who says, I don't want to be there all the time, he will put it on the shoulders of Rasputin. Well, and this is why, what is the value system? This goes right back to where we started the conversation, guys. I mean, this is not a company. You're not selling widgets. The goal is not to end up in the black on a P&L statement. You're, you are governing a free people. And sometimes that means you're going to make decisions that are unpopular. And, and, and so is everybody in on advancing that value system? I know that we look back now on the Obama years and we look at over 900 Democrats in the legislative branches across the country who lost their jobs under his presidency because of the voter backlash. I will guarantee you, though, Almost none of them would ever publicly say they regret it because even though he did it by hook or by crook, he did more to advance a progressive worldview into our government than any human being has in the last century. And, and so therefore, that's why they got into government to advance that value system. They're on board with that. That's why they never, ever fought back against him, even though it was costing them seats in their own in their own legislatures. What is the end game of the Trump presidency? What is making America great again? What is the vision of what be, that would be? You think it might be fascism? I think that my fear is that our side is going to embrace authoritarianism because they saw Obama get away with it. I think there were, and I hate to say this, but I think there were a lot of older white people that sit home and watch Fox, Fox News all day that got really justifiably angry at the last four years of what they saw Obama do. And they said, you know what? We need to go get our own version of that. Oh, then I, then I help cause this i think we you know i i think we all have to some extent played a role in this i think so we're self-governing people so there's no one you know nobody's absolved from it i think that i've looked at some of the rhetoric i've used that we have to win right now or we're on the precipice of history and i've wondered what is a sense of urgency and when am i actually feeding into the sort of panic that causes people to embrace Do you think anybody on the left is starting to feel this way do you think they're self-examining like we are on the right uh, they soon will. First, they got to do their fake Tea Party AstroTurf, get rid of the Electoral College crap, which is just clickbait to raise money, basically. When they get done with that here in about six to eight months, we get into year two or three of a Trump presidency. I, I bet you they'll have a newfound respect for separation of powers and limited governments in some way. Yes, I do. It's interesting to me because the New York Times came out this weekend, and this is what they expressed to me when they invited me up. Nineteen editors from the New York Times editorial board were there. And they wanted to know who we were, what what is really happening, what's caused this, mm-hmm. uh, what their role was. They were very, I thought, introspective. And they said at the time, we know we have a problem. We're not connecting with the American people and we need to change that. They came out this weekend and said that. 
I think there is some, there is some movement in trying to be better. I said to Judy Woodruff on PBS on the panel I was on this week, I said, Judy, where I come from, a dad who thinks it's a bad idea to have another creepy dude go into the bathroom next to his young daughter in the women's bathroom, that's called a parent, not a bigot. There's a whole other country out there. You guys don't even interact with it. You, you lecture to it. Yes. And so as a result, look they, down said, at it. they said, let's go find our own person that can smash these people so that we can at least get our, star, our side of the story out there. And I think Trump wisely capitalized on that. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you Steve very much. Um, now this. If there is a, uh, a financial bubble that is about to burst, and uh, we've got somebody on, Chris Martinson of uh, Peak Prosperity. He is a guy who we found about five months ago and um, took us a while, but we, we hired him. He is the guy who I think has the best view of the markets and the economy and can explain it out of anybody I've met in 15 years. Um, he's coming on the program here in about 15 minutes, and we're going to talk about what is happening in our country. Changes are coming, and they are inevitable. And as our new government takes shape, we should take a moment to take a positive step to make sure that we are doing what's important, and that is becoming self-reliant. Whether it is because you could lose your job, somebody else in the family could lose your job, you fall on hard times, or there's a major catastrophe, we should have food supply at least three months. Here's one-year emergency food supply, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you're a family of four, you buy this, and it gives you three months of food. There's your three months food supply. All done, one phone call, 800-946-2325. It's $997. Now, that is $800 off the regular price. This is almost half off. This is an unheard-of deal. One year of emergency food for one person, 800-946-2325. It's three months of food for a family of four. Jeffy spends more than that in three meals. It is. (laughs) It's $2 and like 37 cents a day. $9.97 only at preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. 800-946-2325. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The media is having a field day with uh, Steve Bannon, and I want to read a couple of statements to you and see if you agree or disagree. Fear is a good thing because fear is going to lead you to take action, good or bad. Uh, Bad. Um, Let the grassroots turn on the hate because that's the only thing that will make them do their duty. Definitely bad. We believe there's uh, we we believe there's no functional conservative party in this country. Uh, it's going to be an insurgent center right populist movement that's virulently anti-establishment. No, thank it, you. It will hammer and hammer and hammer. All Steve Bannon, not good. And those 
That's just the beginning of his quotes. Glenn.